Hey guys, my name is Kennedy Kruger and I just want to welcome you back to BCM in the AM. I'm sitting here with Jenna Lance, one of our student leaders. Hi. Today, Jenna is going to be sharing a little bit of her story with us, um, how she ended up at the University of Tennessee, how she ended up at the BCM, and more so than that, how she ended up in her relationship with the Lord and what that has meant to her. So we're just going to hop right to it. Um, Jenna, can you tell me about how you ended up at UT? Okay, so my, I want to say like in high school, I knew that I would probably go to a school in Tennessee, so I didn't really want to go anywhere out of state. Um, But I had a pretty good GPA and I got like a decent ACT score, so I kind of wanted to go somewhere bigger, but not like super big. Um, So I was actually thinking about going to UTC and when I toured that, I really liked it. But then I felt, like, just a bad feeling about it, and I ended up touring UTK, which is where my brother and my sister both graduated from, and I just thought that it was really big (laughs) when I first toured it, Um, but I really, really, really liked the campus, Um, and I liked that my sister would also be there for me, so she would, you know, get me into, like, a community that I could uh, be a part of. And so that really sealed the deal for me. So I chose UT. That's awesome. So upon arriving to UT, what was your search for community like? So I'm going to preface with this. Um, the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college was the hardest season in my entire life. Um, my mom was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer my dog passed away and I had to basically break up with my first love um, all within the span of like two-ish months. And then I had to move um, three hours away uh, while my mom did radiation for her breast cancer. Um, So I couldn't be there for her. Um, And so I was so terrified of losing people that I really didn't want to put in the effort to get to know anybody else. Um, So I came with two of my friends from high school, which I love them to death, but they are not the best influences. (laughs) Um, But I was so terrified to reach out that it was really just me and them um, against the world. And then we eventually met um, another guy who was my uh one of my friend's roommates so it was like the four of us um and it was it was good it just was kind of unfulfilling because i i was at a spiritual drought like i just was not growing at all um and i knew that something had to change but i was just so terrified i didn't want it to change i was hurting so bad and i was so i was angry at the lord for everything that he had been putting me through um But the Lord decided that enough was enough. And uh, right before winter break, my entire friend group just fell through. Dropped me. Dropped me. Uh, And I had nobody. And I remember sitting on my dorm room floor and just crying. Crying out and being like, okay, Lord, you have my attention. I understand that I've been trying to fill, you know, the void inside of me with friends and alcohol and boys and it's just not working so I promise you that next semester will be different 
Um, and so I eventually started going to the BCM with um, one of my friends that I met through my old group of friends. Um, he introduced it to me and I was like a little skeptical at first um, just because my history with the church is not a good one. Um, and so I was definitely skeptical and that's probably why I didn't really reach out to uh, on-campus ministries because my relationship with the church was so bad. Um, but I eventually started going with him. And I remember my first TNT, I wasn't like astounded, but I felt very like the environment felt safe to me. It felt uh, open, which was something that I've never like experienced before in a church, which was very refreshing. And I didn't like jump up and down and be like, oh my gosh, this is the place that I need to be. Um, but I kept on going because I was like, you know what, it's an unrealistic expectation that I'm just going to meet my best friends in the world, like, at the first two times that I'm here. So I kept going, and um, when a retreat my freshman year, it, like, solidified that, okay, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I got involved with the life group, met some of my best friends um, here, uh, Meredith, Holloway and Abby Cornelson were one of my two like first friends here love them to death and honestly I couldn't imagine where I'd be if they didn't take me in and just like accept me right away um but yeah I love that I love that you found community here and you found safety here and friendship here especially after such a hard semester um of trying to do it all alone. I can remember like roles were reversed in my life, my freshman year, like fall semester of my freshman year, I found community and spring semester. I was like, I can do this all by myself. And it was that summer that the Lord showed me that like you desperately do need community. And so I guess my question for you is since like that spring semester of finding community, how has your life been transformed by that? Like how has the Lord shown you that that community is essential to your walk? So all throughout my life, I always went to church and I was always told that the girls that you meet in church are your girls. Like you will have them for the rest of your life. And that just was not true for me. Um, The youth group that I was a part of was extremely clicky um, and I was not a part of the clique. Um, And so they would constantly leave me out of things and I am not going to say that I was a perfect person. So I said stuff that shouldn't have been said. They said stuff that they shouldn't have said. And, um, but we just, we just did not get along. And so youth group was very hard for me. And so to finally experience a, a community at the BCM, that was a community that I had been longing for my entire life. And the community that was taken away from me in high school was just so... I want to say, like, a weight was kind of lifted off my shoulders of, like, oh, my gosh, this is what it really means to be in gospel-centered community. Um, The girls that I was with just, like, stretched me, asked me really hard questions about, like, who the Lord was to me, what the Lord means in my life, what are you doing in your quiet time, which at that point I didn't even have one. (laughs) Um, So they pushed me to, like, deepen my relationship 
with the Lord. Um, one analogy that I love is like the Lord was always my savior. I always knew that the Lord was, you know, Christ came and died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be with him eternally. But he was never my Lord. He was never like the Lord of my life. Um, and who I come to, um, daily and he is my portion and he is my prize now. Um, and I never understood that. And I think that it was because of the community that I was a part of that I didn't. (laughs) Um, and now coming here, I feel like the Lord has really just shown the importance of good biblical community in stretching us. You know, it says iron sharpens iron, um, therefore sharpen each other. Um, and be sanctified by each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's really encouraging. Your friends that you make in college really help transform like your walk with the Lord in your life. Um, and that wasn't something that I understood until I got to college either. But I think that's part of like why I love BCM and why I love what I do is because I get to see students like take that step of faith and find community and people who are going to sharpen them, like what scripture talks about and who are going to teach you how to have a quiet time and a walk with the Lord. Um, You touched on this a little bit, but you said that like Christ was your savior, but he wasn't Lord of your life. And so would you share with us kind of how you came to know the Lord, like your salvation story? Okay. Um, So I'll start from even before I was born. So my mom was a missionary kid in Congo. Um, So she was definitely like enriched in Christianity, which is a blessing as well as a curse. Um, Because to me, it, it is just, it becomes so normal and you become desensitized to the power of the cross and like who Jesus is as a person. Um, And I think that my parents did a wonderful job of raising me in church and in godly centered community, but it just, it fell flat to me. It wasn't, it wasn't ever like, it just became like a daily checklist, a step-by-step routine. Okay, we go to church on Sundays, I go to youth group on Wednesdays, and then that's it. And then I'm going to go to school and then I'm just going to chill out and then I'm going to do my homework and that's it. And then just repeat the cycle and repeat it, repeat it. Um, so I accepted the Lord when I was about four. <laughs> I don't know how my mom thought that I knew what I was doing, but cause I didn't, <laughs> but I think that I just saw everybody doing it or I maybe saw my sister or my brother doing it. And I was just like, okay, yeah, this is the next step. I just always felt like I was a follower. I felt like I was always following the crowd of Christianity and what they're supposed to be doing. So then when I was eight, I got baptized because that's what you were supposed to be doing. And I knew that I understood it. Like, I've always had a very, very strong sense of spirituality. I have always understood that, okay, there is a God. There is a creator. I always believed that Jesus was real. I never had an issue with that. But I think that I had this clockmaker mentality of like god created the world like a clockmaker creates a clock and then the clock just runs by itself and the clockmaker leaves and so i just thought that god created the world and then just kind of left just to like fend for myself um and i remember when i was in youth group sitting there and i think that i was about 16 and i remember my pastor saying to me 
that Christ didn't just die for the world. He did, but he also died for each specific person individually in the world. He died for you. He saw you on that cross, said, Jenna is worth it. And she is worth getting beat, spat on, mocked, and she's worth me hanging on this cross and dying for sins that I didn't even commit, sins that she committed, and I'm going to take that away from her because she's worth it. It was the first time that, like, the Lord was made so personal personal to me, and something just, like, clicked in my head, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I felt the Lord calling me to be rebaptized since I finally understood that Christianity is so much more than a religion. It's a relationship. And so I felt like I had to reaffirm that. Um, so I got baptized a second time when I was 16. But I, and my understanding of the Lord was very much like growing. I would say that that was definitely a spiritual high, but I still didn't have like a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord um, because I still didn't have a quiet time. Um, and I didn't know what it meant to be discipled. I feel like my youth group would take us out on retreats and mission trips and, you know, you get it on this super spiritual high and then you just drop when you come, when you come out because nobody would help us work through that. No one would help us understand like this is a spiritual high and this is, um, the steps that you need to take after this. I've ne no one ever did that with us. Um, and I think that that was really hard for me just because it really had me have an unhealthy vision of the Lord and who he was with it being like how I feel is how close the Lord is to me, which is so false. The Lord is always near to us. Um, but through that, it taught me that like, oh, well, if I'm feeling really great and if I'm feeling really spiritual, then the Lord is really close to me, which is amazing when you are feeling great. But then when you feel awful, like the season that I went to right through college, I've never felt more alone. I felt completely abandoned. Um, and I felt um, like a ship being tossed upon the waves with no anchor. I just felt very unstable, I would say, in my own life, which was very weird. <laughs> um, because I'm sure that looking at me from the outside, everybody would think that I had it all together, which I did not at all. I think that that's kind of a popular story like does that make sense like not I'm not trying to downplay that but like I feel like so many people go through that and so I think that your story is really encouraging because like you recognize those points of like I looked like I had it all together but I didn't and the Lord knew that and he rescued me from that right. and so like I think that your story is encouraging um so what has your life been like since like since um <clears throat> I guess like that moment of like realizing that Christ died, not just for the whole world, but for you specifically, right? And like bearing your sins on himself. What has your relationship been with him like since then? So like the ups, the downs, the ebbs, the flows, all of that. Okay. So I think that 
one of the probably the biggest growing point up to this point of my life was when I decided to go on Jensend um, last summer. I went to Boston for eight weeks and we worked with two church plants in the Boston area. And for those that don't really know Boston, it is so unevangelical, if that's even a word. Sorry, mm-hmm. I made it one. Um, it is less than 2% Bible teaching evangelical believers. Um, and in comparison, Iran is more evangelical than Boston, which is in the United States, which is so crazy for me to think about. Um, but all that to say, it is very dark. And I felt that. The spiritual warfare in Boston that I experienced was suffocating. And it was only through the Lord and through the strength that he would give me daily that I was able to honestly, like, make it through Boston. Um, And I think that my team, I just saw so much of, like, the Lord has specially placed these people on this team for this specific reason. Um, I never had an issue with anybody on my team, which I felt was so wonderful. Um, we were in the perfect place, in my opinion, um, to really like understand the city, understand the people. And we got to work with a brand new church plant in Boston. And then we got to work with a church plant that has been there for 10 years. So it was really, really, really cool to see what an established church plant looks like in Boston and then what a brand new church plant looks like in Boston. And through that, I really, that was probably when I really started to dive deep into like, what do I know about the Lord? Because do I even know the Lord? I know of him. I know of him from Sunday school. I know of him from the BCM. I've always been told things about him, but I don't know him. Um, And so I started reading I think that my quiet time just first started reading a proverb a day, which if you need um, a tip on getting started with a quiet time, I'd suggest that because there's 30 proverbs. You can read a proverb a day for a month. And so I think that I found that like my favorite, one of my favorite attributes of the Lord is that he's always so steady. And my, my story just always felt unsteady. And so for a God and a savior to be so constant um, was so encouraging to me that he will never falter, never change um, against like the total chaos that was my life. Um, Even at Boston, uh, there were times that I was like, well, I mean, you're not like, you know, you're not special. You're who says that like, you're gonna come back from this trip and then you're just gonna fall out from the church. and this isn't going to have any impact on you whatsoever. Um, and you're just going to, like, what what makes you different from all the people that have dropped out of your church and don't even consider those, themselves Christians anymore? And that really, really, really freaked me out. Um, and I remember talking to one of my teammates. Her name was Shantea. And we would have sleepovers every Friday night. Um And we were talking about um, this TikTok that we saw and how it was just theologically very, very, very wrong. Um, And I was just explaining it to her because I would consider her a a baby Christian. Um, And I was explaining it to her and she said to me, she was like, you will never lead the church. And she had no idea the spiritual warfare that I've been going through. 
Um, and so that was like a whoa. I think that she has the gift of prophecy, but that's a that's a podcast for another day. Um, uh, but I think that the community that I was centered around, how sound that they were, really just encouraged me to be just as stable as they are and just as stable as the Lord is. Not that there weren't hard times in Boston, because there definitely were, but there were just such high moments that I don't even remember. I don't even remember, like, the low moments as much. I... One of my favorite things that we ever did was um, a quick night and all the teams. So there were five teams in Boston and all the teams would get together in one central location and we'd worship in like downtown Boston. And I just remember all of our voices just lifting up. It was the most unbelievable worship that I've ever been a part of. And um, like they could hear us from like the subway station. And I remember like all these people would come around because we'd be worshiping in um, a coffee shop, all these people would come around to the windows and just listen and just hear. Um, and I know that the Lord used that for his glory and his good mm-hmm. and to impact somebody's life. That's awesome. Um, so what is the Lord teaching you now? Like, maybe not like today, like what did you learn? But like in general, in this semester, in this season, what are you learning from the Lord? Okay. So my quiet time, I have determined to read the Bible in a year, and I'm in Leviticus right now, and a lot of people skip over the Old Testament because I will admit it is not really a page turner, um, but I think that Leviticus is just, it, it is so beautiful in showing that, because it's showing all the laws that the Israelites had to follow, and um Every single time that if it was like, if you don't do this, death, 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 death. Every sin that we commit for the wages of sin is death, Romans 3.23, but the gift of God is eternal life. And every time that the Israelites would sin, they would have to sacrifice something Mm -hmm. to cover up for that sin. And not just sacrifice anything. They had to sacrifice a perfect unblemished sacrifice and usually was a lamb or an ox or a goat or um but it was like the pick of the litter like the cream of the crop and I just it's so crazy to see Jesus woven all throughout um and I think that it's so beautiful and encouraging to see even though the Israelites messed up time and time and time again the Lord never left them ever um, and the Lord, you know, puts little reminders in, Levi- in Leviticus, like, remember, I am the Lord that delivered you from, from Egypt and out of slavery. I am the Lord. You will remember this. Your generations will remember this. Um, and so I think that the vastness and how eternal God is, is really just, like, putting me in awe, I think, as of right now. Like, how vast the Lord is compared to me mm-hmm. and how dare I doubt somebody that knows all of time mm-hmm. <laughs> and like knows what is best for me. And I know that that is super hard for me to say that in the moment, you know, in the moment of strife and chaos, but it is something that I think 
will be a firm foundation with my faith is that the Lord is, I am, he is not, he's never going to change. He's never going to switch up on us. He's not sneaky. And I think that that was a misconception that I had, um, probably coming into college is that the Lord is just like here, like looming over, like in a zap you whenever you mess up. And like, I think especially reading through in my quiet time, Exodus, as well as Leviticus, the Lord goes above and beyond for the comfort and the safety of his people. He protects those that love him. He protects those that fear him. Um, and I think that that is probably the number one thing that the Lord has been teaching me. And it's been really sweet to, to kind of like expand my faith in that way. I think that's really exciting. I agree with you. I think the Old Testament can be so difficult. (laughs) Um, and like Leviticus particularly, I can remember the first time I read Leviticus and I was like, this is terrible. Why is it like, why is it even here? Um, but I think, Like, there is so much that we can learn from Leviticus. And so it really makes me rejoice and brings a lot of joy to my heart to know that, like, you're not just trudging through it every day. Like, there's going to be moments that you might do that. There definitely are. (laughs) There's going to be days where you're like, man, we got to read more of Leviticus, like, more laws. Um but the fact that you are experiencing God through that, which is what, like, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, that's what his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we are supposed to continue to experience him and learn more about him and fall more in love with him. And sometimes that's really hard to do. And so it's encouraging to hear you say that you're reading Leviticus and you are gaining something from Leviticus and you're not just trudging through it every single day. It's hard. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to deny Like, it's hard. Like, there's a lot of leprosy <laughs> and a lot of uncleanliness, and that's hard. But, like, I think that the overall picture and the message of Leviticus mm-hmm. really shines through once you, once you read, like, the chapters. You can understand. Because, again, like, the Israelites didn't even ha- – they didn't even have the word. Like, I feel like we're so blessed in this – day and age because we have the word in front of us and available and the Israelites just had to trust they just had to trust okay I'm not supposed to eat a pig I don't know why though but okay like I'm just gonna trust that that's okay and like now looking looking like beyond that we have all the gospels we have the new testament um and we can see how Jesus is just interwoven through all of it. There's no error in the Bible, which, like, blows my mind because it was written by over 40 men over the period, what, a thousand years? I don't even remember. Something crazy. <laughs> a lot of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no error in it, mm-hmm. which is just unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's insane whenever you really think about the depth of Scripture and the consistency of scripture and like what it means for our walk with the Lord. And also the fact that we even have it. Like there are people who are pleading for Bibles. Um, I was reading an article the other day of this country that is begging for more Bibles because they have so many people who are like, I want to know the Lord. I want to know his word. And they are begging for more Bibles. And so 
the, an organization was like sending Bibles there. And so I just think that that's really encouraging um, that like we get to have that and that like you're gleaning from it, even in the difficult books <laughs> that are hard to read. Also, I just really, I like Leviticus most days. I would honestly be interested in doing like a in-depth study on it, if that makes sense. And I've so, been thinking that, like, as I've been reading it, because this was the first time that I've ever read it. Yeah. Um, and there are so many laws that I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, we're free from that. Like, yeah. we're free from the legalism mm-hmm. um, and the laws that the Jewish people had to face mm-hmm. because of the Lord. Like, we're free from that. And there are just, like, sections of, like, this whole, like, a, of like a whole chapter that I'm just like, thank you, Lord. That I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't have to, as I feel like it, it'd be so like a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. to not mess up mm-hmm. and to remember all the laws. Like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Leviticus is third. I don't remember. I can't remember how many chapters. A lot. Mm-hmm. And there's so many rules. Um, and so the fact that the Lord has freed us from that, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. It is very cool. Um, do you have any like encouragement, closing comments, anything that you would like to leave our listeners? Um, I think that my number one thing is that do not be discouraged if your walk is not like somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Your walk with the Lord is at your pace. Um, do not be encouraged. Do not be encouraged nor discouraged. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say be encouraged. <laughs> be encouraged, but not discouraged by somebody else's walk with the Lord. Whether they've read more than you, whether they know more than you, because um, I think that that's very hard for me to not do that. To not compare myself with them. Um, but it, the Lord puts us in community, not for, not to compare each other or for us to be in competition with one another, but to sanctify each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say also that if you want to know the Lord, you need to know the Lord. The Lord is always willing to reveal himself to you. It's whether or not you want to take that step. And you want to open your Bible and get to know him more um, because his word is his most powerful tool of speaking mm-hmm. to you. I promise you, you give him an hour each day or less than that. Um, and the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will show um, himself to you through his word because, like you said, it is living and active. Um, and the Lord will grow you. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will bless you for giving that time to him. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I think that's my closing remark. That's awesome. Okay, here's a fun question for you. Okay, hit me with it. If you were any type of ice cream, what kind would you be and why? (laughs) Okay, so I am partial to Ben and Jerry's. Sorry, that's the best ice cream. Kennedy actually got me hooked on the Chunky Monkey one. That is the best. It it is good. (laughs) I will not say the best. It is tasty. I 
think that I would be cookie dough because I've never met somebody that's like, oh my gosh, ew, cookie dough. And if you are, uh, check yourself because you're wrong. <laughs> so I think I would say cookie dough. And there's also this um, ice cream that Ben and Jerry's has, like a specialty ice cream that is like a cookie dough and fudge brownie and it's half baked, which is just happiness in a ice cream. And so I'd be that. Why? Because it's yummy. (laughs) I don't know what else. And because I think that I'm happy most of the time. And so to reflect that, I would like to be something that represents happiness in my life, such as Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You know, half-baked with brownie. (laughs) Yes. I appreciate that. That was a good answer. Thanks. <laughs> I, however, disagree. I think that Chunky Monkey is hands down. <laughs> like, literally, look, for everybody listening, if you ever just really want to make my day, bring me a pint of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey ice cream or peanut M&M's or a Diet Coke, but particularly Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey ice cream. Or all three. Or all three. Man, look, at that point, we're getting married. We're getting married. (laughs) Bring a ring with it. Like, just bring a ring pop. We'll go get married. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. If I was any ice cream, I would be Chunky Monkey ice cream. Okay. I just think it's... I can respect that. It's all four of my favorite things. (laughs) Banana, chocolate, a form of nut, like walnuts, and ice cream. And also, you like... Receive some sort of like nutrient from it. Like dairy is good for you. You're, you need dairy, right? Uh-huh. Banana is a fruit. Nuts. Uh, that's a protein. protein. And then chocolate has caffeine in it. So there look, you go. I could live off of chunky monkey ice cream. Do not tell my grandfather who is very healthy. Um, he would have a cow. <laughs> <laughs> he knew that I said I could live off of ice cream. There's a living in Tennessee coming out of you. No, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, Jenna, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for sharing your story with us. And also talking about ice cream with me. Ah, it was a joy. Thank you for having me. Of course. We will see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.